You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Happy Monday, if there is such a thing. Welcome into the Locked On Kings podcast. This is your daily hub for Sacramento Kings coverage each and every single weekday in bite-sized formats. If you're looking for in-depth conversation and analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, interviews, highlights, we have it all right here for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This network is growing every single day. It is an awesome network if you call yourself a sports fan. We have Locked On NBA coverage, Locked On NFL coverage, Locked On MLB coverage, college fantasy sports. We have it all right here for you. So do yourself a favor. Check out all the other podcasts in the network, but make sure Locked on Kings stays your hub and your home for at least Sacramento Kings coverage. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host. Hello. Welcome back to Locked on Kings if you are a longtime listener, and welcome in if you are new. I'm from Sports 1140 KHDK, which is the flagship radio station of the Kings here in Sacramento. I work there as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist and reporter. I was in the Golden One center for the Sacramento Kings and Golden State Warriors part three battle that took place on Saturday. An incredible game, a game that I am going as far as to say is easily the best game that I've ever watched and seen live in person regardless of the result. And I think, honestly, honestly, I think it's a top 10 game in NBA history. Maybe you can add in regular season there, top 10 regular season game in NBA history. This game was incredible from the beginning, back and forth, runs after runs, a teeter-totter affair, and of course, more three-pointers than you could possibly ask for. Unfortunately, bad news for us here in Sacramento as once again, Once again, the game comes down to the wire between the defending champions and a team in the Sacramento Kings that was picked to be the worst in the Western Conference. It comes down to the wire. It's decided by only four points. And the Golden State Warriors get their third win over the Kings this season by a final of 127 to 123. Now we have so much to talk about from this game and we also have to preview tonight's game in uh, the Golden One Center against the Dallas or the uh, Orlando Magic, excuse me. I just do not have time to play for you the highlights from this game. And honestly, even if I did have time, it would take up probably half of the podcast because I don't want the uh, the job of having to sort through and root through the endless amount of highlights from this contest. If you watch it on TV, if you listen to it on the radio, or if you were in the building, you know what you saw. You know how fantastic of a battle it was. So what we're going to do is here in just a second, we're going to talk about all of the good from this game from a Sacramento Kings perspective, and then we'll transfer over to all of the bad uh, about this game from the Sacramento Kings uh, perspective before I wrap up. I have some Marvin Bagley news, a little nugget to share for you, and then we will talk about this Kings and Orlando Magic game. Sound good? Let's get to it. First and foremost, again, again, the game comes down to the wire between these two teams. Game one in Golden State, all the Kings needed to do is get a defensive rebound to win the game. They couldn't do it. Golden State wins. Game two, In Sacramento, inside the Golden 1 Center, Kings going on an absolutely insane run at the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter, take a double-digit lead. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and the Warriors do what they do best. They erase that in a couple of minutes. They end up beating the Kings by just two points in Sacramento. In this game, 
Kings and Warriors go back and forth. Warriors come out of the gate hot. Get up a double-digit lead on the Kings. The Kings come back, make their run, take their lead. Warriors take the lead back with their run. Kings take the lead back with their run. And then the Warriors win it at the end with a run of their own in the fourth quarter. I know we're starting with the good news, but here's the blatant fact. This is now four straight games that the Kings had a lead, and offensively they went cold. Now, you got to give a lot of credit to the Golden State Warriors defense, and rightfully so. We'll talk about their defense in just a little bit. But Buddy Heald, by God, Buddy Heald was phenomenal. 32 points, a career high, eight three-pointers. By the way, the Kings and the Warriors broke the NBA record for amount of three-pointers in a game. They actually broke two records or set a record and broke a record. They broke the amount of threes in a game with 41 total threes. And then they set a record with both teams had at least 23 pointers. It's never been done before, and many of us got to witness that in just an instant classic game. Buddy Heald was the man for the Sacramento Kings. Eight threes, 32 points. He was red hot for the majority of the game, especially in the third quarter. He hit five three-pointers in the third quarter, and he was easily the Kings' go-to guy and dynamite scorer. Now, the Sacramento Kings' backcourt of De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald has so many similarities statistically and via the eye test to what the Golden State Warriors' backcourt started as. Remember, the Warriors drafted Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. The two of them started showing uh, they became the Splash Brothers, right? They started uh, started showing this flair of three-point shooting, decent defense, great ball movement. They then added Andre Iguodala through free agency. They then drafted Draymond Green, and the rest is history. They started winning titles, got Kevin Durant. They continue to win titles. The Kings are starting to statistically fall in line with that kind of build, which is the major similarity between the Kings and between the Golden State Warriors. Now, remember, we roll our eyes at times, uh, especially early on in his uh, his tenure as the owner of the Sacramento Kings, but Vivek Ranadive made the comment when the Kings acquired Buddy Heald, and actually when Buddy Heald was in the draft out of Oklahoma, that he really liked Buddy. Why? Because he thought he was the next Steph Curry. He thought he was a Steph Curry-type shooter. Well, we kind of rolled our eyes at that. Kings ended up uh, trading for him, getting in. He last season looked like a proverbial bench player in six man. He could still score, but this season he has really emerged. Now, I tweeted this out, and I got some uh, some some clap back from not just Kings fans, but but NBA fans in general. And by the way, you can follow me on Twitter and interact with me on Twitter at any time, any day at Matt George K H T K on Twitter. Uh, the, what I tweeted out was, in my opinion, now, yes, I am biased, and yes, I watch him more than I watch anybody else in the league. Buddy Heald is, above and beyond to me, the most improved player this year. How can he not be? And you're not just going to look at MVP for, you're not, this isn't an MVP conversation. You're not talking about the, the, the upstart young player of a team that is extremely good. Because the name that I got thrown back at me as Buddy Heald's competition uh, was Siakam from the uh, the Toronto Raptors. Now, take nothing away from Mr. Siakam. He is having a fantastic season. He has really emerged, and he's joined that good unit that they have surrounded Kawhi Leonard and uh, Kyle Lowry with there up north. There's a reason why they're one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, and I think they are going to be a threat uh, to make it all the way to the NBA Finals. But... The Sacramento Kings have turned themselves around in one summer. Their scoring is up across the board and a major reason. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say the main reason for that is Buddy Heald. 
almost 25 games this season. If I'm not mistaken, it's 24 games now. 24 games this season uh, that Buddy Heald has scored 20 or more points. He's averaging over 20 points per game. And in this entire stretch that the Kings have been without Marvin Bagley, I would say all but one or two games he has scored between 25 and 30 points. It's incredible what he is doing. His three-point shooting has gone from just being a great catch-and-shoot shooter, and he still is a great catch-and-shoot shooter, to now he has the ability to shoot off the dribble and create his own shot, which is something we were asking of him from this summer. I talked about it a lot this summer. I said, if Buddy Heald can make that jump and be able to create his own shot and become that consistent daily starter, which now we know he is, there's no more conversation of should Buddy Heald come off the bench. That is dead. That is gone. We know Buddy Heald is a starting two guard in the NBA. He has done everything we said that he was, and I said if that was going to be the case, we are looking at the most improved player in the league. And I think, hands down, right now, if the season ended today, that has to be the vote. Siakam's getting some votes as well, but Buddy Heald is easily the most improved player, and he showed it in all these matchups against the Golden State Warriors. He clearly has the respect of the Golden State Warriors, and we saw it with how they covered him in the fourth quarter with transitions uh, to a a negative conversation about the Kings in regards to Buddy Heald's involvement down the stretch. We'll get to that in a little bit. I also have to throw mounds of praise. Even though Buddy Heald had a phenomenal night, my king of the night is Justin Jackson. Coming off the bench, the Kings were shorthanded. Iman Shumpert, out with a sprained finger, so Buddy or Bogdan Bogdanovich rather started at the three spot in Iman's place. So they needed scoring off the bench because Bogdan Bogdanovich has been the main scorer and facilitator for the Kings off of the bench. Justin Jackson comes in and pours a career high 28 points, including five three pointers. He was absolutely deadly for the Kings, and it wasn't just offensively. Everybody's going to look at the offensive numbers, and rightfully so, but it wasn't just that. He took on the challenge of guarding Kevin Durant. Now, is Justin Jackson a great defender? No, and I don't think he claims to be one. However, he is the only king with the length and the size and the athleticism and the ability at his position as a true blue wing to guard and stay in front of and at least body up Kevin Durant. He took that challenge seriously from the get-go, and he did as damn good of a job as you could possibly do against Durant. Now, one of the things Justin said after the game that I thought was fantastic was he said, look, Kevin Durant, when he decides he's going to score, he's going to score. And all I was trying to do was get up uh, into his business a little bit, make him think about it, and just try and make him uncomfortable. That was the best thing I could do is make him uncomfortable and hope that he misses. Now, Kevin Durant still had a solid performance. He wasn't the Golden State Warrior of the night, but he did finish the game with 29 points on 11 of 20 shooting, but I thought Justin Jackson's defense on Kevin Durant was about as good as you could want and ask for from him. He kept the Kings in the game on both ends of the floor when the Warriors were making their runs. Justin Jackson deserves so much credit, and that is an example, an idea of what Justin Jackson can be for the Kings off the bench. Now, should you uh, expect 28 points every single time he comes into the game off the bench? Absolutely not. Should you expect five three-pointers from him every single game? Absolutely not, but you can expect solid defense, or you should expect, rather, solid defense and consistent scoring from Justin, even if it's in 10 to 12-point spurts on a nightly basis off the bench. That has been Justin's role for the majority of the season, and it is working for him. We've gone from, man, he's disappointing and not doing anything on the stat sheet as a starter, to he's coming in consistently now on a nightly basis, and he's making an impact. You have to respect that. I know a lot of fans have been very brutal towards him, uh, especially earlier on in the season. 
season. I'm glad they've backed off because Justin Jackson has earned their respect, has earned their praise, has earned the minutes that he's getting from head coach Dave Yeager and that coaching staff. I cannot be more proud of him and more excited uh, to watch him succeed. And I think Willie Cauley-Stein said it best following the game. Willie Cauley-Stein said, that's Justin Jackson. We know that. It's y'all that didn't know that side of him. That's what he brings on a nightly basis. We know he is capable of that. Now, I'm summarizing Willie didn't say that word for word, but that is essentially what he was saying. Speaking of Willie Cauley-Stein, I thought he had a great game as well. He was good on the glass for the Kings. He didn't blow anybody out of the water, but he was solid. Also engaged on the defensive end of the floor. Now, the Warriors, as of right now, don't necessarily have a dominant center uh, that is going to really change things and, and, and frustrate you. Uh, of course, DeMarcus Cousins is going to be playing for them here in the very near future, which will be fun to watch and follow. But, I mean, Looney, that's that's really their starting center option. They don't really have too much center uh, off the bench. Jarebko's more of a uh, a power forward. So uh, Looney is not necessarily that much of a threat. So it wasn't that, like, Willie Cauley-Stein was threatened for the majority of the night, but he still had himself a great game. He got a double-double, which is what so many people want. 14 points, 13 rebounds, also had 6 assists and a couple of steals. He shot 6 of 13 from the field. That's a great game for Willie Cauley-Stein, and that's really all you can ask from him. The Kings, their ball movement was phenomenal all night long. 34 assists and only 8 turnovers. They only had 2 turnovers, guys. Going into the fourth quarter, unfortunately, they turned the ball over six times as the Warriors uh, picked up the defensive pressure towards the end of the game. They used uh, a a lineup of Andre Iguodala, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green with a lot of switching defensively, and it really frustrated the Kings on the offensive side of the floor. They forced six turnovers in the final frame. Kings end up with still just eight for the game, which I thought was fantastic. The Kings forced 12 steals of their own. And then finally... Finally, the Kings did lose the rebound battle, but it wasn't that bad. 47 to 43. In fact, the Kings were plus two. I think it was 15 to 13, if I'm not mistaken, in offensive rebounds. So the Kings did a good job getting offensive rebounds of their own. I thought Nemanja Bialica was fantastic in that area. Also, Willie Cauley Stein did great there as well. And they managed to not allow the Warriors to beat them on that part of the floor. So those are some of the positives from this Kings game. It was a fantastic game. So much fun. I left frustrated and disappointed that the Kings once again could not get the win and that they are now on their longest losing streak of the season at four. But from a purely basketball fan standpoint, you could not tell me you did not enjoy watching every single second of this basketball game. Now, though, we go to the bad. Kings let another lead slip away, guys, and it's the way that they allowed it to slip away. Now, I'm aware of the quality of competition over these last four games. The Portland... The Portland-blown loss at home was probably the worst one, seeing as how the Kings seemed to really have that game in the bag, and they just let it get away from them. The Los Angeles Lakers won in L.A. is also disappointing, seeing as how the Lakers are shorthanded without LeBron James. But you're talking about the Denver Nuggets coming back and beating you when you had a 13-point lead at halftime, and you talk about the Golden State Warriors doing what the Golden State Warriors do. They're the defending champions for a reason, so I understand quality of opponent is important when we're analyzing and having this discussion. But it's not the fact that they're losing to these teams that has me frustrated watching and had me frustrated that night. It's the fact of how they are starting to lose these games and let these games slip away. The Kings have a Jekyll and Hyde about them, two sides of a very, very different coin. And what I mean by that 
is that the Kings will go on these spurts and go on these stretches, and for the majority of la- or Saturday night's game against Golden State, ball movement was fantastic. Kings were not playing isolation ball, high pick and rolls, working the ball around the perimeter, getting out in transition. They were doing that, and it was working. It was effective. They were testing the Warrior defense uh, from from the beginning to the end. Like I said, the ball movement was exceptional out of this world, and it was resulting in open shots and good looks. And then they get to the fourth quarter, and it becomes iso ball. It just becomes isolation basketball. And I'll be completely honest with you, Bogdan Bogdanovich, to me, shot the Kings out of this game. I love Bogey. I love what he brings. I get that he was dealing with ramped-up defense from the Golden State Warriors. And I'm going to emphasize, I give the Warriors full credit for the defensive adjustments and lineups that they put in. Steve Kerr knows what he was doing, and the Warriors showed so much respect to Buddy Heald and the Sacramento Kings that they threw the best defense at them, the defense that they throw at the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James in the NBA Finals. That's what the Kings got in the final quarter of this game, and it worked. That's why the Warriors won the game. But Bogdan Bogdanovich unfortunately shot the Kings out of the game. He tried attacking the basket too aggressively, put up some bad circus shots, tried for way too many mid-range jumpers, and then that isolation, step back, long three-pointer, he attempted two or three times, missed all three. I know that was the shot that he hit, to beat the Los Angeles Lakers, and we were celebrating that shot not too long ago, and Bogey does practice it, and he works hard on it, and it's still you're still confident that it's going to be a good look, or at least it's going to be close, but unfortunately, it just was not dropping for him. When the Kings needed buckets, he unfortunately was the one that was missing the majority of the time and holding onto the ball for a majority of the time, uh, and it, it just didn't work out. Now, remember last season, Bogdan Bogdanovich also hit the game-winning basket in the Kings' win over the Warriors in Golden State, so I'm not saying that he was the wrong guy to have the ball in that spot. It just was his night to struggle, and I thought he shot the Kings out of the game in the fourth quarter. But the Kings, they have to be disappointed with the fact that they just did not get Buddy Heald involved. Buddy Heald had 32 points. He had five three-pointers in just the quarter before. He was easily the hottest shooter, not just on the Kings, but in the game. Now, Steph Curry had a phenomenal game as well. We'll talk about him in just a little bit. But Buddy Heald, he rests coming into the start of the fourth quarter. I know a lot of Kings fans were upset with that. I was actually okay with it because he played, if I'm not mistaken, the entire third quarter. He was involved. He was running in transition. He was attacking on the offensive end of the floor. Also defensively, he was having to guard and body up Clay Thompson. So he was spending a lot of time and a lot of energy on the floor, and he could not play the final 24 minutes of the game straight. The Kings needed to give him a breather. They figured, okay, we've built up a little bit of a cushion here to start the fourth quarter. I'll put, uh, I'm thinking Dave Yeager's thinking, I'll put Heald on the bench for four or five minutes. Hopefully my other guys in the game can hold on to this lead or at least keep the game close. Buddy Heald can come back in, uh, and then we can try and win this game with his hot hand. Well, all that until the end happened. The Kings get Buddy Heald back into the game. At that point, they were down by four or six points, and Buddy Heald didn't get a shot attempt until the final six seconds of the game. To me, that is 100% inexcusable. Now, Buddy Heald got the full star treatment from the Golden State Warriors. And what I mean by that is Draymond Green didn't give him room to breathe. Off the ball, Buddy Heald couldn't even get a look at the leather because Draymond Green was in his lap, in his shirt, in his grill, wherever he tried to go. 
My issue is with that is not once did I see the Kings run an off-ball screen for Buddy Heald. To me, and you know how big of a fan I am of Dave Yeager, that's on Yeager, and that's on the Kings coaching, and that's on the Kings bigs. Look, the Golden State Warriors, when you're playing the Warriors, you know Steph Curry is going to try and get the ball from in three-point range, and he's going to put a shot up. And the Kings... Every team in the league is aware of that, and the easy, quote-unquote, easy defensive scheme against him is to not let him get the ball, is to deny him the ball. So what do the Warriors do? They use their bigs, and they use their wings, and they set screens for Curry. He curls off those screens, and he gets enough separation from the pick to get a quick shot up, and a majority of the time, with him being the best shooter in the world, that is going down. The Kings need to learn to get their guys more involved when they have the hot hand in crunch time down the stretch. It is a tragedy, a travesty, and an absolute inexcusable mistake that the Kings did not get Buddy Heald going down the stretch, did not get him looks, did not get him opportunity. And what's interesting is the game before the loss to the Denver Nuggets, Dave Yeager said himself post-game, he needs to do a better job drawing up plays and getting Buddy Heald involved. Now, the Kings do a good job drawing up plays out of timeouts, but half court, they are not there yet. Dave Yeager said as much following the game. He says, we are at a point right now where the half court is a struggle for us, and that's something we need to learn, and that's something we need to work on. I like the opportunity for the Kings to go through these games and lose these games because they learn firsthand. I thought Katie Christensen, the Kings sideline reporter, said it best. These are the games that sting and are very, very hard to lose, but once you lose them, you remember how you lost them, you fix those mistakes, and you start to win them in the future. These are games and phenomenal learning experiences for this Kings team, and I guarantee you they are going to now understand that down the stretch, if Buddy Heald has that hot hand, they need to do something different. They need to run off-ball screens and get him involved more. So that, to me, was the biggest mistake and biggest disappointment from this game. I was also very disappointed with De'Aaron Fox. Now, back-to-back games now that I thought De'Aaron Fox was non-existent, a non-factor. De'Aaron Fox did play well in the final few minutes of the loss against the Denver Nuggets as the Kings were trying to make their comeback, but he disappeared and he was not in that game for the majority of the game. And defensively, he was god-awful against Jamal Murray. Same thing against the Golden State Warriors. Now, he was not the only one guarding Steph Curry, and I know Steph Curry is a very, very difficult cover, but Steph Curry finished the game with 42 points, and that's De'Aaron Fox's man. De'Aaron Fox has every ability to be a Patrick Beverly-type defender that is always up in your grill and frustrating you, getting a hand in your face, and just is not giving you any space to breathe. We've seen him do it before, but unfortunately when we see him do it, do it the more, majority of the time, it's down the stretch in the final few minutes of the game. Now, of course, that's where you want him to step up, but you need to see it more consistently throughout all 48 minutes, and he just does not do that yet. Now, I also think that he is playing hurt right now. We know that he has had shoulder issues for the majority of this season. He's been banged around a lot in the first quarter of the game. Actually, in the first couple of minutes of the game, he went down with a scary injury. He rolled his ankle on one play, and then the very next play, he took a knee to his quad, I believe. Uh, a, a big stinger. He ended up going to the locker room for a couple of minutes, then coming back in. So that was a huge sigh of relief for the Kings. So I'm aware that De'Aaron Fox is not playing at 100% right now. So I'm giving him benefit of the doubt there, and I'm not trying to harp on the guy because I still believe he is the star and he is the leader for this Kings team. But I have not seen De'Aaron Fox step up this year as consistently as I've seen Buddy Heald step up this year. Now, a lot of people threw back De'Aaron Fox at me when I was talking about the most improved player conversation. To me, Buddy Heald is is over De'Aaron Fox there, and it's not close. It's by a mile. 
because Buddy Heald has stepped up and consistently been the offensive presence for the Kings when they need him. He's not afraid to take the big shot. Now, neither is De'Aaron Fox, but Buddy has consistently been that guy for the Kings. Buddy is the best scorer on this Kings team. He's the number one hand on offense, I would say, right now. Now, De'Aaron has done a much better job, I think, facilitating running the offense. He did finish with seven assists, has become a much better distributor than he was in his rookie season, so he deserves a lot of credit and props for that. But I still, with the exception of the Cleveland Cavaliers game, and then he had that really good game in Atlanta against the Hawks, In close clutch games and moments against big opponents, we know he did well last year. This year, I haven't seen it yet. Now, he had a chance to hit a game winner against the Denver Nuggets. Unfortunately, could not hit that shot. Uh, So we know he's not shying away from the moment. But I just would like to see De'Aaron Fox more involved and more active, especially in the middle of the game, not waiting till the very end to turn that side of him on. Because when he plays that well, we know how good that he can be. So if you agree or disagree with my both positive and negative takes, please let me know at any time. You can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeKHDK. You can also email me, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. And then also, if you were not aware, at the start of 2019, we launched the brand new Locked on Kings podcast voicemail box. You can call this number. It goes right to voicemail. You leave your name. You leave your takes. I listen to them. I try and respond to them. And then we also select some to bring on to the podcast. That number is 909-566-0232. All three of those outlets, a great way to reach me. I would do my best in all three to respond to you or get you on this podcast in some way, shape, or form. This is your platform just as much as it is mine. So do not waste that opportunity. Well, the bad news is the Kings are on a four-game losing streak, and that's their longest losing streak of the season. They are now under 500 at 19 and 20. The good news is that the 13-game stretch of doom has come to a close, and now the schedule opens up significantly. Seven of the next eight games, people, the Kings are taking on sub-500 opponents, opponents that are at 500 or under 500. In fact, I think all seven of them are under 500. The only team in the next eight games that they play that's over 500 is the Portland Trailblazers. And it begins tonight at home against the Orlando Magic. The Kings have already defeated the Magic this year. They defeated the Magic in Orlando. This game is extremely winnable. In fact, I would go as far as to say, I'm not going to say must win because we're not in that category or that part of the season, but it feels like this is a game the the Kings should absolutely win. And if they lose this game, then there's there's some room to start really worrying and panicking that the Kings peaked too early. The Kings started out the season so strong against the Eastern Conference, and that's what I said needed to happen if the Kings wanted to have a chance to stay above water with how difficult their schedule was through all of December uh, into January and really the end of November as well. The Kings have made it through the roughest patches of the season that they are going to face. Now, they're, of course, still going to face a lot of Western Conference teams. That's natural. That's still going to happen. But the roughest is over. It is done. Now the second half of the season opens up, and the Kings made it through that rough patch at 19-20, and 20, just one game under 500. when in reality, Kings of old, last year's team, the year before's team, at this point would probably be 15 games under 500 and their season is over. Now the Kings are in a legitimate position with the Western Conference race still as tight as it is. Now the Kings, I believe, currently sit in the 10 spot, which sounds ugly for a team that you want to be in the 8th spot competing in a very competitive Western Conference, but they're only a couple games out. 
Kings have a lot of opportunity here coming up to really make their run and get back into the conversation. And it has to begin tonight against the Orlando Magic. Now look at this eight-game stretch that the Kings have coming up here. Just take a listen to this. So it begins tonight with the Orlando Magic. After tonight's game, they are still going to be at home, as I'm trying to pull it up here. They're going to have the uh, the Phoenix Suns. Then they have the Detroit Pistons. They have the Charlotte Hornets, the Portland Trailblazers, the Charlotte Hornets again, the Detroit Pistons again, and then the Brooklyn Nets. To me, 6-2 and two is not absurd. I think the Kings should and will win the majority of these games. And I think fans should expect the same thing. And this is where, really, the Kings have to be held accountable, not just by their fan base, but by their coaching staff and by themselves. Look, guys, we made it through the roughest part. Now these are winnable games right here. We know we are better than these teams. We know that if we play to the level that we played against Denver, against Golden State, even against Portland, we should be winning the majority of these games against weaker competition. And that, to me, is the biggest test and the biggest key for these games coming up. And I think Dave Yeager said it uh, excellently following the Golden State Warriors loss. Dave Yeager said that he thought that he played the Kings played better in the Nuggets loss and the Golden State Warriors loss than they did when they beat the uh, the Lakers on that bogey game winner in Sacramento. And he's absolutely right. If the Kings play, now I'm not expecting 23 pointers, but if the Kings play with the ball movement, the pace, the hustle, and the energy against the Golden or excuse me against the Orlando Magic tonight, as they played against the Golden State Warriors on Saturday, the Kings should beat the the Magic by 15 plus points. They really should, and it shouldn't be close. Same thing with Detroit. Now, Detroit Pistons have some better names and bigger names uh, than the uh, than the Kings do, and you have to look at that as potential night uh, matchup nightmare. But the Kings should blow the Phoenix Suns out of the water because they've already done it. Kings should really put a, uh, put some uh, struggles for the the Brooklyn Nets. The Kings should win the majority of these games. Five is okay. Six is good. Seven is great. Winning all eight is phenomenal, fantastic. I don't expect that. I am predicting six and two over this stretch, which would put the Kings right back at three games over 500. And now you're looking at, okay, we made it through this easy stretch or quote-unquote easier stretch. Uh, and and we're, we're right back where we were around the eighth seed, around the seventh seed. Then I believe they're 12 or 13 days from the uh, the trade deadline at that point. Then we can start about start talking about what moves can we make to really go for that playoff break if we want to. So there's options out there and good opportunity. The Kings have to get the job done, and it starts with tonight's game against the Orlando Magic. If you're going to be at the Golden One Center tonight, please let me know. I would love to meet you in person and say hi. You can uh, let me know on Twitter at MattGeorgeKH2K or email me mgeorgeatsacklocalmedia.com. Again, remember, uh, respond to to what I said and and, and share your thoughts on, on the, the pros and the cons, the good and the bad from this Kings loss to the Golden State Warriors. And then following tonight's game, win or lose against the Magic, please call into our number. Uh, and we would love to be able to, to hear from you directly and give you an opportunity to be featured and hear yourself on the Locked on Kings podcast tomorrow. Again, that number for you is 909-566-0232-909-566-0232. Have yourself a fantastic, fantastic day and a fantastic week. Hopefully the Kings get the job done tonight. We'll come back tomorrow, break down this game, and a whole lot more right here on the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day.